The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. CIO Talk Radio is brought to you by HP. Welcome to CIO Talk Radio with your host, Sunjog All. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers. Now, here's Sunjog All. Hello and uh, welcome to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. And as always, we invite you to join the discussion on Twitter, hashtag CTRLive, and look for the show also as hashtag security. Today's topic is evaluating security intelligence and analytic solutions. And our guests for today's show are Gary Apinger, who is a global vice president, chief information security officer, and privacy officer for Carnival Corporation. Hi, Gary. How are you? Hey, good morning. How are you? Very good, sir. Thank you. And we also have Jonathan Klein, uh, who is uh, Chief Information Security Officer with Broadridge Financial Solutions. So how are you, John, here? I'm good, Sanjak. Thanks for having me on. Oh, very good. Thank you. for. It's an honor to have both of you on the show. Now, we are looking at the newer age of uh, business and the way uh, we are living our lives and security is becoming very important for us. In fact, uh, we are keeping that as top of our mind and trying to find strategies. Challenges are there and we also find that it is not a matter of if but when we will get hacked. So do we have to always working on the prevention strategies better than uh, or more than becoming better at responding to the incidents that happen, if that's the case, or in either case, should we be relying or uh, banking on security intelligence and analytics solutions that are being proposed? So goal here is to challenge in a healthy way as a healthy skeptic that what would it take for us to be feeling secure and how much the tools, technologies, policies and processes will help us, and where do we go with this security intelligence and analytic solution? So that's as a background. So as a first question, I'll start with you, Gary. We are looking at a lot of incidents happening over the years, and media is doing a fantastic job of if, if uh, exposing, but also sometimes, in a way, creating paranoia. What do you think is truly the state of vulnerability we have today? Yeah, so when I think about you know, vulnerability today, it's, it's, it's absolutely, uh, you know, very critical, you know, and changing, right? You know, so we've had security incidents. We have security exposures for the last 30-plus years where I've been in this space. Um, however, there's a lot more visibility from the C-suite all the way down um, to the guy that's pushing the broom in the, in the uh, lobby. So, so it's not that the issues have got... Um, you know, have, have grown and got bigger, um, but they truly have more, um, you know, highlights for, for those particular is, it, uh, incidents, as well as, you know, if you think about the bad guys today, they're way more organized than they've been in the past. They're more and more focused on the commerce side of the, of the equation. Uh, we started off where it was just, you know, taking a heel, right? You know, so how can I take a company's um, system down? 
now they're highly motivated to get revenue uh, from that transaction and or get uh, market share potentially um, you know, from impacting individual companies. So we shouldn't be paranoid, but we absolutely need to be concerned. So, John, when you look at this as, a, as, as the state of security that is reported by Gary, where do you think our investment should be? Because I've spoken to quite a few CISOs, and there is always uh, two schools of thought. A percentage of them say we should focus more on prevention. Another is to say, okay, I do not know if there's a way for us to prevent this at all like, or completely, so might as well focus on responding to threats effectively. Where, where do you think the, the balance is? So I think it's going to have to be a blended approach. I, I, I agree with the comment that we're not going to prevent everything. And I don't think it's economically feasible. Uh, to Gary's point, there's a lot of vulnerabilities out there. And while we used to deal with what we called scripted kitties in the past, these guys are very smart, they're well-funded, and they have a lot of vulnerabilities to choose from. So you know, blending our approach with both a prevent and not only just detect, but detect and quickly contain is really the approach that we're going to have to take going forward. Now, if you are to look at, uh, Gary, a set of solutions that we may have tried, or maybe beyond solutions, the strategies, what is it that you would say uh, would be a plausible and a practical strategy in today's day and age to uh, prevent such uh, incidents from happening, and if they do happen, then respond to them. What's your overarching mantra, if you will? Yeah, so, so overarching, um, you know, I, I kind of look at it, you know, absolutely from that, that, that balanced approach, right? So you need to be able to detect early, right? And we'll, we'll talk a little more about analytics, but it, it, the more analytics, analytics excuse me, that you're able to use, it, helps, it gives you an opportunity to focus in on areas that you may be invisible to you. The, the tough part of this job and, and the thing that we've kind of seen, you know, you know, explode over time, if you think about the number of connections that we have into our environments today, right? There was a time when, when you could you could count on, you know, uh, you know, a couple hundred connections coming in, right? Either from vendors or and or from customers. Now it's millions or billions of connections coming in. So how do I determine where do I need to focus from uh, leveraging analytics, um, you know, to, within that balance approach? We will never be able to prevent everything, but how do I zero in on the most important, highest risk items that I need to be able to uh, react, uh, you know, appropriately to? Now, um, if you are to look at, um, John, once again, if you, if you had to take the top uh, deployments of solutions that you may have uh, made, and where do you see Hindsight 2020, which has given you the best bang for the buck? It's hmm, an interesting question. I don't think there's been any one tool that was an absolute game changer. It's really been a blending of a number of different tools because you're just not going to find that one solution that's going to fix everything or even fix a bulk of things. Um, I'd say one that would probably stand out would be uh, data loss prevention, where not necessarily that it was stopping everything, but the tool raised awareness for the need to protect information and to make sure certain kinds of information didn't leave the firm. So, so the tool wasn't in itself the game changer, but the awareness to management was the game-changing aspect. 
So, um, Gary, if you are looking at, and, and based on John's response, that there is not one tool or one strategy, but if you do not have a clear mapping between the strategy that you had, the tactics that you thought of uh, deploying and corresponding solution set, it would be a shotgun approach to say, what, what do you kill or throw spaghetti on the wall to see what sticks? Yeah, what no, do you, how, yeah. how do you go about handling it better? Yeah, I think you absolutely have to go you know, go after it with the, with the strategy based on a risk-based a risk based, uh, approach. So instead of using the, the shotgun approach, you know, how do you leverage, um, you know, data to, to align to your strategy to say what you focus on, right? Um, you know, as we alluded to earlier, you, you know, it's not about the, 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 the biggest walls. So it's no longer who can, who can, uh, who can build the, the, the biggest walls that the bad guys can't get over. Right. If if there's a focused, if there's a targeted, if there's a highly motivated um, organization, uh, you know, uh, you know, country and or individual, they may and will find a, a way over. You know, and we've we've started a conversation in our comp- in our company, um, and and uh, you, you're talking to a guy that that used to talk about keeping the bad guys out, right? And now it's about it's not if you get compromised. It's when you get compromised. Now, what are you going to do once you get compromised? And more importantly, or as importantly, how do you know you've been compromised? And then so you can react to it, you know, as quick as possible. Unfortunately, today, so many companies that are getting uh, compromised don't find out until a week or month or six months down the road. And they usually find out by a customer or, you know, a federal agency that calls them on the phone and say, you've been, you've been uh, compromised. So, so it, it's, it's a tough scenario. So we have discussed these challenges that you're talking about, which is advanced persistent threats, right? So, so we, are, we are looking at those challenges. People may be either directly impacted with these APTs or they could be the source because they, they could be an HVAC provider or another supplier to a large financial services firm and they could become the source through which or a conduit through which one may get impacted or, or, or tagged. So, so John, John, if you were to look at this whole uh, scenario, this ecosystem, would you think that the security intelligence that we need to garner, it has to only be the responsibility of the final impacted entity, or this has to be a value chain-driven security intelligence? Because they may not directly intrude from your, through your door. They may come through another supplier's door. No, it's got to follow the entire chain. It can't be just the endpoint that has the security intelligence. There has to be information sharing amongst the suppliers because if one of my suppliers is seeing something, I certainly want them to tell me so that I am making sure I have the proper defenses in place to, to defend against it. Um, you know, without it, I'm going to get caught off guard, you know, like a target got caught off guard where you know, they were hacked through their HVAC provider. Um, you know, information sharing um, is going to be very important, and it's not going to just be out of tools. You know, it's got to be conversations that CISOs have with one another. It's conversations CISOs have with law enforcement. Sometimes it's just good old-fashioned legwork. I'll give you an example of a, of a threat our company faced a couple of years ago, and we didn't use, you know, a fancy intelligence tool. It was good old legwork of searching social media, you know, like YouTube and Twitter and Facebook to find the threat and then to be able to mitigate the threat. 
Now, were, would you call yourself lucky that when you went about looking through social media, it could have been seen as a wild goose chase by someone if you had not found anything? So you would you call yourself lucky because not every time things will be as explicitly stated out in open, which you I can just say, do a Google search and get... I wouldn't say lucky is the right term. I think it's we looked at other channels outside of looking at a security intelligence dashboard because you know those tools, they do have limitations. They look at things that are already out there. They don't look at people talking. And so you're looking at multiple sources and you're sharing that information with your, with your vendors, with your clients, so that they're well aware of the threats that are coming and have a chance to defend themselves against them. So the, the the key phrase, and we'll take a quick break and we'll be coming back, but I wanted to lay the groundwork. So so the key here is security intelligence. Now, that's the intelligence you want to get through some source. It could be a set of tools or other form of organizational uh, changes or, or organizational strengths that you may be able to harness. What is the source of security intelligence and where do we stand with respect to that today? What's the current state of security intelligence that you're able to get before they went proactively and even after the fact so that you can um, you know, basically crack the problem or, or respond to a problem? Please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back and explore. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. HP is proud to sponsor this program. Find out how the HP as a service solution for SAP HANA can help you gain instant, impactful business results without capital investment by logging on to HP.com. Transform information into intelligence and a competitive advantage with a full spectrum of SAP HANA products and services from HP, a global SAP hosting partner. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sunjog All. Welcome back. So, um Gary, I'll, I'll start with you. So whether it is about preventing a security breach or responding to one, perhaps some sort of security intelligence and analytics has to be performed. It may come from a set of tools or a duct tape and shoestring-based processes or, or, or Excel spreadsheets that you may create yourself. But what's your fundamental um, vision of a set of solution or a solution for an organization that will work effectively? Yes, yeah, so when I think about solutions it, it, it's three different paths um, that I, that I consider um, and which aligns with our strategy uh, it, it's all about people process and technology so if you think about the cyberspace today and how and all of the mechanisms and tools and processes and uh, and, and things that we put in place um, to help prevent um, you know, uh, incidents from happening, and then when it happens, give us visibility to, so we can react. It's how do we kind of balance it, 
you know, from a people. So people is, is how do we educate our employees, how do we educate our, our, our consumers that are using our, our tools and products and services, um, the processes that our employees use to leverage the systems that, you know, that deliver services for um, our customers, and then the, the, the technology. Right, so the technology could be the specific analytical um, tool, um, or that analytics can come from conversations with other CIOs, can be, be conversations with um, our vendor uh, um, community, um, but it, it uh, or the federal government. Um, you know, so it's a combination of all of those that give you rich data that can be leveraged, and it, it doesn't necessarily come from one; it could come from any one of those three. So, uh, John, when you have tried to deploy or you've even envisioned uh, security intelligence and analytics type of solutions, the culture, the people, process, and technology that Gary mentioned, what were the lessons learned along the way? And do you think you are at a point where you say, okay, I've got already a good mix which we, I could use uh, in, in, in a most predictable manner to tame this beast? I, I think it's... It's still in the learning phase, right? Security, intelligence, and analytic tools are still very new. They're very limited. They focus very heavily on uh, things that are out there. So they look for malware that's running around on the Internet. They look for web pages that are serving up ill content. They look for spammers. They do very little in talking to folks on the dark web. They don't do a lot of putting in that human intelligence but I think the biggest shortfall is that they don't understand your business, right? So you could be getting a lot of data, but unless it's actually meaningful data that impacts your business, it's not really actionable data. And I think that's where the shortcomings are, are with security intelligence and analytics solutions. So I haven't gone in with both feet yet to purchase an analytics solution. I'm, I'm looking at, at various ones. I'm looking at outsource services as well as in-source services. I still rely very heavily on um, members of my team actually going out and looking for threats. Um, I do work very closely with our users to make sure they understand their responsibilities on security so that they are not uh, creating additional vulnerabilities. Um, but to, to really jump in full force with any good security intelligence analytics solution, I, I just don't really see the value yet until we're able to come up with a solution that really can understand my business and give me quick, actionable intelligence without having to invest heavily in people. It's interesting you bring up this point about actionable intelligence. So, Gary, if, if I have a good you know, data crunching tool or even my own people are, are somehow churning out data using whatever primitive methods they may have, or the modern methods. But then it's a last mile challenge. It's basically coming down to what do I do with that data? How do I interpret it into something actionable, which is also an intelligent and a creative way to approach a problem? Do you think suddenly we are expecting our own people, the security leaders who have a different set of competencies and skills developed over the years to convert into a data scientist? Yeah, what a what a great question. Um, I would have thought I would probably answer that question very differently, you know, ten years ago than I will today. Uh, I would say absolutely. I don't believe our our security engineers will be data analysts um, and data scientists. However, um, there's skill sets, there's tools, there's techniques 
um, that gives them more valuable data that they can leverage, as John kind of just alluded to, to do their job better so they can focus in on a specific area because they know the business way better than anybody else. Um, and they know what's important. They know the risk tolerance of the business. Um, and they know the, the, the data flows. We've, we've uh, started down this path of, of using some data analytics um, in our environment, um, you know, from a, from a marketing and from a consumer perspective. Um, and, and when we jumped into that space, it allowed us visibility into places that we hadn't thought about in the past. And so I, I think of it very similarly from a security perspective. It will give us visibility into things that we may not have visibility to today. So, so we've uh, put in tools you know, in our environment that allowed us to, to uh, uh, start to focus on things that we didn't know was actually going on as part of normal day-to-day process that was you know, you know, beneath the sheets, um, but allowed us to now have greater conversations with our business partners around business practices that may have been um, okay in the past, uh, but no longer okay as we kind of think about, um, you, know, you know, increasing the level of security and increasing the level of control um, in our environment so it led us to, 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 to drive business processes in a more secure manner. John, do you think uh, we have the necessary academy, if you will, which will churn out better security leaders who can think beyond not security leaders per se, but security workers who would have that overarching business insight coupled with understanding of what security works, which and, and further flavored with the, the data science so that they can really produce something which the whole organization can react to, invest towards, and get the benefits from? I think we're churning out some, but I don't think we're churning out enough. Um, I'm, I'm finding it, and I'm sure Gary's probably having the same problems, just finding good, qualified security people. Uh, I think we keep just stealing from each other. Um, I think that it's really not a matter of having you know, good security people and, and data scientists, but reducing the footprint of the data that we're actually looking at. I mean, I'll go back through the history of it all. In the late 90s, intrusion detection systems came out. And I remember, was that a client? And gung-ho, I installed it. You know, got it, I got everything configured, and I started looking at the data, and I was, wow, I was seeing, like, all these incidents popping up, and I was contacting people, hey, I'm seeing unusual activity from you, you know, what is this, or well, can you please stop it? And what I found out after a couple of weeks was that was all I was doing was spending eight hours a day going through intrusion detection logs and tracking down incidents and not getting any of my other work done. And we tried to come out, you know, the next evolution was security incident and event management, and we shrunk it down a little bit, but then the amount of data grew. We ran into the same problem. And now we have big data and security analytics, and we have data scientists, and we try to squeeze it down further, but the data has grown so large that it's become an unmanageable problem again. And I think until we're able to break that cycle and find ways to reduce the footprint of the data that we have to actually look at so that by the time people like Gary and I get this information, it's true actionable items that we need to be worried about and go execute on as opposed to the myriad of false positives that keep, uh, keep popping up. And I think that's when the game finally changes. That. And I, don't, I just haven't seen it arrive yet. I, I don't think any of the vendors get it yet. Um, I've been looking for it for a couple of years. Uh, until they do and until they're able to help us, I think we'll all continue to struggle with this, with this problem. 
Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree with that comment. And, you know, you've seen more and more convergence from vendors. So, you know, on the software side where they've been acquiring each other, uh, you've also seen hardware, you know, companies uh, starting to get into the software space uh, from a security side. But as far as that enterprise, um, you know, solution that's, that's truly going to solve this problem, we are we're, we're moving in the right direction, but we're still far away from having the right solution out there. If I were to go and um, go go ahead and evaluate what's available today in terms of solutions and how does it match back to what we are attempting to do, is that like a one-size-fit-all type of solutions available or is there some customization possible? Gary? Yeah, no, there, there, there's absolutely a necessity for optimization and, and customization, right? There, will, there won't be a one-size-fits-all because you think about the the mere differences between a bank, um, the banking industry and insurance industry and, and the cruise space, as an example, uh, dramatically different business processes, right, which drives a different configuration that's going to be need, um, needed uh, from company to company. So what's important for us uh, will be dramatically different than, than a bank. Um, you think about some of the things that, that we've seen some success, and I, I would say some early success in, 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 the, uh, in the banking space. So, uh, you know, if I go to use my, my credit card in three different states within 15 minutes of a part, you know, my phone rings. And they, they say, geez, Mr. Eppinger, we've seen some, some transactions on your account that doesn't meet, meet your profile. And, in fact, there, it's impossible for you to be using it in three different states at a time. So we, we stopped them. Um, so that, that's an example where they took a, uh, you know, a lot of data to be able to focus into some activities um, in, in a reactive mode, but focus into some activities that just didn't make sense and they could stop it and prohibit it from uh, going through. Um, you know, you know, five years ago, ten years ago, because everything was done batch and everything was done after the fact, that would have, those transactions would have been through before somebody noticed them as being, uh, you know, you know, an issue. So um, let's let's look at uh, security intelligence and analytics solutions which are being offered. Like, and and we will not take names so that we make sure we are objective in our evaluation. What do you think is the level at which they are being operated? Is it like a one science they somehow sniff through all the different traffic on your network and perhaps match it up to uh, some heuristics engine where they are collecting data of the type of breaches and signatures and sending it back? It's like, a, would you call this like an antivirus on steroids? Is that what it is, John? I don't think I'd call it an antivirus on steroids. Look, there, there's, there's vendors out there that have solutions that focus very heavily on data collection from various intrusion devices, uh, various firewalls that are out there so that they're seeing traffic that's already out there and then telling the rest of the world, hey, we're seeing this traffic. You have other companies that are going out and, and going through the dark web and they're actually you know, gathering human intelligence by talking to, or infiltrating these underground groups to get a sense of what's going on and providing intelligence that way. What, they, what we haven't done is taken those two different kinds of solutions and married them together. You know, how do we take what's out there and tie it to a particular group's campaign and understand what their focus is so that we can actually look at, okay, what industry are they targeting? How are they trying to target that industry? So that we're not just chasing everything. Uh, and that's the problem is we're getting so much data, we're chasing everything. Uh, so when you say that we're getting so much, 
Yeah, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, the vendors are trying to, to do everything for everybody because they can't just build a box for a particular industry. So the struggle that you face as a customer when you get one of these solutions is, how do I tailor it down and configure it? What's my strategy around that? To be able to get reasonable data out of it so that I'm not just getting inundated with a lot of uh, unnecessary events, but at the same time, I'm getting some value. And, and that falls down back to the, I don't have the human capital to be able to do that effectively. And, and we all struggle with that. So uh, let's take a quick break. So when we come back, John, I'll, I'll come back to you on this one because you, you interestingly mentioned that the domain knowledge is very important for a security solution to be uh, effective. Typically, for the rest of the world, security has mostly been uh, what does this mean as a technology or even in, in terms of risk? And at risk level, yes, you have to understand the domain. But when you are trying to use a tool or a service, would they necessarily be able to find the level of domain knowledge or, or be able to utilize when they are not embedded in the organization? Is it asking for too much from a third-party provider and instead take the responsibility ourselves? Please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. HP is proud to sponsor this program. Find out how the HP as a service solution for SAP HANA can help you gain instant, impactful business results without capital investment by logging on to hp.com. Transform information into intelligence and a competitive advantage with a full spectrum of SAP HANA products and services from HP, a global SAP hosting partner. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sunjog All. Welcome back. So we're talking about domain knowledge here or someone who really lives the business. Now, we know practically every CISO and their team has expressed this challenge where the business doesn't really open up and tells them what do they really want, what their crown jewels are. And, and, and the security workers are not truly as embedded in the business. And, and, and so how do we get this whole uh, domain knowledge be offered to a third-party provider, even to our own people, for them to be effective. So I, I think that the, the barriers to providing, you know, to that breakdown of the barriers between the business and security in the last several years has definitely been dropping, and we're getting that domain knowledge. The challenge we have is a lot of our organizations aren't big enough to be able to properly staff up a group with those people with the domain knowledge to be able to effectively use these analytic solutions. You know, they're 24 by 7 solutions. You know, hackers don't wait till business hours to try to break in. They're typically trying to break in on your overnight hours. So for anything to be effective, 
It's got to be 24 by 7, which means somebody's looking at it 24 by 7. Uh, last I checked, I know companies are trying to get us to work 24 hours a day, seven days a week, but it's not really realistic. So we have to hire enough people to be able to get that adequate coverage. Well, it's expensive. Uh, you know, large organization, they can probably do it. Medium-sized companies, smaller companies, th- there's no way it scales. And so what you have out there is the opportunity for these managed security service providers. They've been out there for years. Uh, I used to, years ago, sell managed security services. Um, it's a very good play uh, in the monitoring space. So the, the MSSPs can build up those analytics functions, and then you get them to provide you three or four analysts who are assigned to your account that sit down with you, learn your business, at least learn enough of your business so that when they're sifting through data, they're not giving you things that are just completely immaterial to you. They're giving you things that, yes, you're concerned about this. This particular threat pertains to you. And that's where this whole industry needs to go for security intelligence and analytics to be effective for everyone. I mean, I don't have the deep pockets of you know, the, the big banks out there to go and build all that myself. It's just not very cost-effective. So I want an MSSP to do that for me. And I think it's realistic for them to have those kinds of solutions with that domain knowledge. So, Gary, interestingly, when you invite procurement to get an MSP or MSSP here uh, to s- deliver services, they to get sharp with their knives and they, they basically, uh, the, the vendor wants to sh- get sharp with the knives and the procurement wants to get sharp with their pencils to bring the cost down. And now, on the other hand, you want these people to really embed themselves in the business, learn all the business knowledge, and then become much better than you could ever be yourself. What are we, do you think this is, first of all, the, the way we are structured to acquire services of any third party and the way we incent them? Is there, is there a model that would realistically work based on what John is proposing? It's, it's amazing if, if that can be done. It will be awesome if it can be done. But what do you do with the costs and other challenges with respect to us controlling the cost and, and how any services like this is procured? Yeah, it's a great, great question. I, I think it's, it's, a, it's a tough dilemma, right? So if you think of it from a, from a company's perspective, they want the most service at the cheapest price. Right, and the vendor wants to provide provide great service, but also they have to be in a position to be able to make make uh, revenue and make make their profits also. So as you bring sourcing and you bring the legal uh, team into the equation, it gets way more complicated, and you start looking at you know you know the benefits and costs and the risk and, the, and those equations. Uh, but at, at the end of the day, I like to, to to pull back the onion and say, what are we trying to accomplish? And what's the best mechanism for us to be able to do that? How do we improve our level of security and then allow it to be be done in the most effective way, um, a cost-effective way for both not only the vendor um, but also the company? Because what you don't want to do is have a a price so cheap that the vendor can't uh, put their top performers on that particular client's uh, uh, engagement, that they can't spend the time, as John just uh, you know alluded to, to understand my business. Because if they can't, then they're just giving me, you know, going back to that shotgun effect, they're giving me uh, the, so many false positives that I can't be successful. So, so when that, 
you know, when that event that I need to be focusing on comes through, it's, it's mirrored with all of the other events that I don't need to be spending time on, and so I miss something. So you end up missing the thing that you want. So, so I, I think it it's always becomes a, a dollars and cents game, but you've got to continue to pull back the, 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 the onion to figure out what's important and how do I kind of get there. What, what I, I like to, to leverage, and, I, and I, not only external from a vendor perspective, but also internal, you know, in business engagement. We, we, we throw that term around pretty loosely, right? So, but how do you drive business engagement, and what's the value proposition around it? it the value proposition, it, it allows you to truly put better solutions in place because you understand your business better. So how do I give that knowledge and data and, and, and value to, our, uh, to my vendor if I'm going down that, that path and outsourcing that component of it? Or if, it, if I have internal resources that's focused on it, how do I ensure that they have that capability? And we try to spend more time with our business partners. So if, if you're supporting the, the, the uh, marketing team, Right and 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 from an IT perspective or an IT security perspective, how do I carve out time so I'm spending time with my vendor? Um, uh, sorry, with my business partners. Uh, one of the, my, one of my my best lessons learned from my you know, my uh, my life back in the GE days was if you really if you think you're really good from a security perspective or you think you're really good from an IT perspective, go spend time with your business partner. They'll tell you everything that you did wrong when you delivered that particular tool. They'll tell you how they use it today versus how you built it. They'll tell you all of the great um, capabilities and, and features that you built, that you took time to build into that particular tool that they don't even use. So all of that means to me is we're not spending from an IT and IT security and a risk management perspective, we're not spending the appropriate amount of time to understand what the true needs are uh, from a business perspective and building that capability and only that capability into our tools. What a great response. So, so John, when you look at uh, Gary's response here, what, what comes to mind as the next set of steps which you would take besides getting the actionable intelligence to really make sense of this whole um, intervention in terms of security prevention or security breach prevention as well as response? Well, it's going to be that continued engagement with the business, to, to Gary's point. Right? Businesses understand business risk. They understand operational risk. Security risk is still fairly new. I mean, yes, we've been facing breaches for the last 15, 20 years, but CISOs have only been at, at that top level for maybe the last 8 to 10 years. Security risk is still very new. And so it's going to be that constant education of your business folks on understanding security risk and how these tools help reduce security risk, which is inevitably helping them reduce their business risk. And we're just going to have to keep having those conversations and keep educating them until it becomes very much ingrained in everything they do from a business perspective. Right? They ingrain operations through every aspect of their business. Security now has to be ingrained in every aspect of their business. So, Gary, given the solutions available and whatever the current state may be, do you think as, as a leader, have you been able to get your team to... Uh, use the security intelligence and analytics solutions and processes and then also be able to harness the intelligence that it is producing or the actionable intelligence that it's producing? Where, where do you think, 
we may be missing the mark or where you feel I wish we could, what's your wish list, if you will, in that context? Well, in, in that context, I, I got a huge wish list. Um, I, I would say we are, we're in that, that if you think about it from a maturity perspective, um, we are not at the optimal level. So we're not at that, that five level from a maturity perspective. Uh, we're in that three and a half to four level. Um, that being said, uh, you know, you, you have to determine what is adequate for your for your company, for your industry, for your maturity of your business, for you know, uh, for, for what's going on from a business process perspective. Are you in an acquisition mode, right? Are you divestiging uh, of different companies? Are you are you looking at new markets? Are you growing? Or is is it is it uh, contrasting, right? Um, all of those factor into what may be important at that particular time from uh, from a tools and the capability for the business and for the security organization to, to fit. Um, you know, so I would say we we are leveraging the data. Um, there's there's way more data than you know we can get to every day. Um, you know, to to look at, um, but we're looking at the most important things today. Uh, and I think the the other component is it's a model that's changing. Right, so our business model is changing. Uh, the, the the demands on from a customer perspective is changing. Uh, the things that we're doing today, we weren't thinking about necessarily, um, you know, a year ago, two years ago. So so the the closer we get to a higher level of maturity, we end up taking three steps back because now we learn more that we didn't know before, and our business changed. So three months, six months from now, we'll be doing dramatically different things that we weren't doing today. So therefore, you know, we get better and we get worse all at the same time. So, uh, John, if I had to offer you an option to go out and pick the best of breed solutions, which will provide you, and that solutions could be built internally, or you go outside to a solution provider, or you go to MSSP, what would be a healthy portfolio you will develop in order for you to achieve that desired end state? Well, said uh, I tend to lean towards, for my company, right? not all companies are the same. For my company, I tend to lean towards a managed security service provider that provides the basic tools, the basic analytics, provide them some domain, some domain knowledge, and then build some of the expertise in-house to be able to really leverage the tools. But at the same time, I'd also want to look at somebody who has the human interaction, you know, engages with some of these groups on the dark web to infiltrate and understand where they're coming from, what their campaigns are, so that I can take that human capital and apply it to the technical capital that I just got and really get a better risk picture. And then it's engagement with the business leaders so that they understand the data that I'm providing them to say, these are the threats to the business. You may have to look at changes to some of the business processes you have. You may have to rethink some of the business opportunities you're getting into, or at the very least, just make sure you're factoring in those threats into whatever strategies you're moving forward with. So, John, your response is basically um, assuming that let's see who can do the best they can versus marching everyone towards a desired state, which is, a set in stone. Do we have to continue to live with uh, this fact as if we were weathermen to say we will predict weather in a certain fashion? If it doesn't happen, we still don't lose our job. 
Well, I mean, risk management is all about prediction, right? It's it's probably not much not much better of a science than weather forecasting is. You know, we try to make the best guesses we can. The more data, the better data. I shouldn't say the more data. The better data we have, I think, the better guesses we will make. I mean, you look at a, a hurricane prediction when it's you know days away from you, they have no idea where it's really going to go. When it's a couple of days out, they have much better data that's telling them pretty much where they think the storm is going to go. It's going to be the same way in our business. As we get better data, we'll make better predictions. They're never going to be perfect, and we're still going to be on the hot seat for them, but at least we have the comfort of knowing we had, we had better data to provide our business leaders better information on how to make decisions. Well said. Um, so let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back. So Gary, when we come back, we should actually see if security intelligence and analytic solutions are primarily to... Uh, prematurely or, or, or proactively, not prematurely, proactively detect what may be going on versus making you even more responsive. So is that only contributing towards the, the pro being, being proactive or is there is a possibility for it to make us uh, better at responding to the threat so that you're looking at the whole security activity portfolio uh, and, and then apply this, this whole security intelligence and analytics set of solutions? Please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network hp is proud to sponsor this program find out how the hp as a service solution for sap hana can help you gain instant impactful business results without capital investment by logging on to hp.com Transform information into intelligence and a competitive advantage with a full spectrum of SAP HANA products and services from HP, a global SAP hosting partner. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll free at 1 866 472 5790. That number again is 1 866 472 5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sunjog All. Welcome back. So, Gary, uh, we can buy or our- develop solutions related to security intelligence and analytics. Is that primarily for prevention or also for reaction to those threats or, or the breaches when they happen? Yeah, if, if you listen to some of the vendors, they'll, they'll talk a little bit about it being a, a preventive tool. You know, these are the things that it can stop. These are the things we can help you stop before it happens. You know, I, I contend that, that it's, it's just the opposite, right? Um, again, we won't be able to stop everything. Um, things will um, come through our environments and through our protections that we put in place. Uh, you know, I look at it as a, a tool that gives me a, a capability to focus and react more appropriately. So as we've kind of talked about, it's, it's, it's how do I know something's happened, right, and then be able to react to it um, appropriately with the right um, speed and intensity to uh, recover our environments. Um, and, and, but I think it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a balance that we've 
we've uh, kind of had over the, the last several years of looking for that that um, that perfect solution, that perfect tool that's going to prevent everything from uh, ever getting into our environments. And, and and I contend there is no perfect security, and there's no perfect uh, you know tool out there that's going to do everything. So uh, if I were to go back uh, to you, John, and, and ask you this question about whether we, we, we are using other tools, of course, and you may even deploy MSP, MSSP and these other security intelligence and analytics solutions. What type of readiness do you need or preparatory work that you need at an organizational level before you can take them on and really make best use of them? So actually, if I'd like an opportunity, I'd like to add on to, to Gary's comments. I sure. think the tools can be used both for, for React and to prevent, but in this way. If I have similar services running within my company and I have something happen with one of the services, so to Gary's point, I'm reacting to an incident that occurred, I can still take that data and say, well, wait a minute, I have two other services in my company that are the same kind of services. Let me go look at those and make sure I've got the right defenses in place before something does happen. So potentially I am using that as a prevention, but, but Gary's absolutely right. You can't just market these tools as it's a pure prevention. It's mostly a react, it's some prevention, but then how you use the data right, can help you determine how much am I reacting to and how much can I try to prevent. And then to your, your question to me directly, you know, how do I get ready for all of this? It, it, you, know, you have to come up with the right strategy. I have to understand what are the most important assets I have in the company. What are the, I hate to reuse the term, but it's a term used all over the place. What are the crown jewels? Right? Those are the things I need to focus on. Those are the things that I need data on. Those are the things that I need the better controls over. And that's where I'm going to focus my attention. Um, to be prepared for an MSSP, I have to have the strategy, what am I going to send them? What am I going to have them look for uh, in the events? How are they going to understand my business so they're giving me the right events? How are they engaging me when I actually do have events that I have to action on? What other information will, will they be able to provide me as I'm doing my investigation? Uh, how do they fare within the industry? You know, are they in the top, t- top corner or, or are they uh, an up-and-comer? So, you know, you have to feel, at the end of the day, you have to feel that you have comfort and trust in the organization that you pick to be your managed security service provider because you are, at the end of the day, giving them a lot of sensitive information about yourself, and you have to feel comfortable that they are going to provide you that, that real actionable data that you can move on and that they will be your partner in investigating anything that happens within your organization. Oh, that's a great point. So, so Gary, one is, of course, John's view of using MSSB and, and using them uh, to the, their maximum uh, capabilities so that we get the value. Now, we would also have quite a few companies who would not want to get that outsourced approach to security embedded within their organizations. They want to build a talent within, and talent is one of the bigger challenges with most CISOs face. So now you're talking about helping uh, these individuals come up to speed where they can ent- interpret data, make sense of it, and convert that into some actionable steps and even refine the strategy related to security. Do you think such animals exist today? And, and are, what are the challenges in, in terms of attracting them, retaining them, and even training them? Because what you're trying to train them on, that, that science is literally unknown because that's ahead of the curve. Yeah, you know, Sanjay, I think it's a, it's a huge value in uh, developing either, you know, from your outsourced vendor as well as internal that 
that type of resource, one that truly understands your business, can leverage um, specific tools to, to have you focus in on, uh, you know, where the true problems are and then, then help you um, drive those right solutions. Um, you know, and I think one of the, the issues that you run into as you develop those folks is how do, you, how, do you, how do you continuously challenge them and how do you retain them? Because there are so few of them, um, they're highly sought after. Um, so those are the guys that you, you, you have, um, you, know, uh, you know, sit in the corner uh, in dark rooms that, that, that does a lot of analytical stuff that you don't let anybody else know that you, uh, that you, uh, you, you have them working for your organization because you don't want anybody to steal them. You don't let them go out to, to uh, um, you know, vendor shows um, and, and talk to anybody because uh, you, you, you fear that they can be snatched away from you. But, but on the other hand, you know, they have to be able to, to have those dialogues with their peers as well as with their, their business partners to be successful. So I, I think it's, it's a tough, tough dilemma of figuring out how do you develop them, how do you continue to engage them, challenge them, give them, you know, meaty, uh, you know, assignments, but also, you know, uh, you know, keep them, you know, in that special place that only they're delivering that value for your company. When it comes to the type of leaders that we have to develop, which is like people at your level, not everyone thinks like you don't have all the clarity. What do you think needs to be done so that other organizations, maybe your organizations are lucky to have you in, as your respective leaders, right, in, in those organizations, but there are many who are struggling. So what's your message to the rest of the, 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 the community out there who would essentially will be able to, as a result, benefit from what was discussed today, the security intelligence and analytics solutions, build the right type of team, and, and be seen as winners? Starting with you, John. So I, I think the, the key thing is not to just jump out and buy tools, or as you put, I think, earlier, uh, shiny toys, that you, know, you have a person in-house who has a good understanding of the business level of security, they have a good understanding of the technical side of security, and that you build a good solid plan on what are you trying to protect, how are you going to protect it, then what kinds of tools do you need? What kind of people do you need? What kind of services might you purchase? Um, it's very important to have a good plan. It's very important to have a knowledgeable executive who understands the nuances of security so that they can help guide the company into executing on that plan. Right? Because it's very easy to just go out there and spend a lot of money on a variety of tools and then end up with no, getting no value out of it. It becomes what we call euphemistically in the industry of shelfware. Right? We don't want to be purchasing shelfware. So get way too much good, of that on our shelves, right? Yeah. So you know, the, the, the punchline, have a, a, a good security person in place and have a good plan in place. All right. A short answer, Gary, from you to top it all up. Yeah, so short, short answer. I don't know if I have a short answer, but, you know, I would, I would say, you know, we've done a pretty good job from a technical perspective of developing security, um, you know, practitioners. We need to pick up some of those really, really good ones and move them out of security. Put them into the business, put them into other areas of IT so they can learn the business even further and then be able to leverage their skills from a security perspective in places that you need them throughout the business. 
What a fantastic discussion today. On behalf of the show and our listeners, I'd really like to thank you both, Gary and John, for sharing your thoughts on how organizations can perhaps leverage the security intelligence and analytics solutions, develop their team and their leadership to get to the end goal, which is to make an organization grow, innovate, but while all along manage risk. Thank you so much. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Absolutely. Enjoyed it. And listeners, hope you enjoyed it. Please like us on Facebook, search for CIO Talk Radio, and be sure to follow us on Twitter. Thank you again for listening to CIO Talk Radio. This is Sanjog All, your talk show host. Till next week, take care and God bless. Thank you for tuning in to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. Please join Sun Joke All next Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 9 a.m. Central Time, and 10 a.m. Eastern Time for another hour of CIO Talk Radio on the Voice America Business Channel.